Welcome, loves. I'm so glad you're here. In this week's episode, it is such a treat to have my friend Jade Baker Edwards joining us. Jade is an environmental engineer, yogi, and world traveler who loves adventures and making positive impact in the world. In this episode, Jade shares her journey of following her inner calling to leave a successful career in events and marketing to become an environmental engineer and yogi during the pandemic. We dive into overcoming imposter syndrome, trusting the process, and what it really looks looks like to not be afraid to follow your calling, even if it looks like putting in the hard work at first. Jade also shares her tips for keeping sane during major life transitions, which for her looked like bringing yoga into everyday life wellness rituals. Let's dive in. Welcome to End the Calm Podcast. I'm your host, Georgiana Alexander, founder of Chaos and Calm. I'm an entrepreneur, quantum life explorer, leadership business strategist, and transformation coach. I'm actually obsessed with helping others up-level and connect to their truth. That starts with deep diving into what's possible. This is your community, your home for connection, expansion, learning, and laughter. So join me and my guests each week as we get into all the good stuff, health and wellness, life, business, relationships, and my personal favorite, quantum up-levels. I'm so glad you're here. You belong. My dear friend, Jade Baker Edwards, is joining us today. Jade and I met in our 300-hour yoga teacher training and just instant soul connection. And the more I got to know her story, I thought it would be so cool to have her come and share that with us. It's a good one. So hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's it's a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I am an early riser, but yet not a consistent early riser. And that is because I inconsistently will stay up until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning working, getting excited, you know, and creatively inspired. <laughs> I really over kind of estimated my awakeness, but we're rolling with it. And it's just so good to see your face. You're in the UK, so it's afternoon for you early morning for me. Happy, happy to have yeah, you here. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for having me. So just to dive right in, your story is so fascinating to me and I think it will resonate with so many people listening because you started your life and career in adulthood <laughs> in marketing and along the way, somewhere in that journey, you had a lot of great success and enjoyment of what you were doing and something just didn't quite click and connect for you. You've told me the story of how you completely switched directions and went into engineering just on the side of you know also doing your yoga teacher training just the experience and the journey that you went through with all of that has been so fascinating and your why behind it of really wanting to find something that you could be a part of a sustainability answer for our planet and for new ideas and solutions with the type of engineering that you do it's just so fascinating can you (laughs) just dive in for us and tell us where did it start (laughs) (laughs) so going right back when I finished school I knew that I needed to go to uni because that was what the world was saying I needed to do but I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I kind of thought you know if I go straight into the world of work right now what I end up doing and I thought I'd end up in an office and would hopefully then progress to being you know some kind of management layer in like up the ladder so to speak exactly <laughs> so what I did was I, I went to King College London and I did 
did a business management degree for three years and yeah came out of that with my degree and was like okay what now not quite ready for work yet so we went <laughs> we went traveling for a while in Southeast Asia Australia New Zealand we away, were away for about two and a half years in the end came back and already my sort of perspective had started to shift I'd started to understand more about who I am yeah as, you know is what traveling obviously I does think, yeah you. as that happens and now you're, you're still traveling too I love it because you've designed out we're gonna I want to jump into that too and talk about the travel piece because you jump in a van that you guys have worked out mm-hmm. and you're like a road tripping all around the UK and <laughs> doing yoga on these amazing cliff sides you know <laughs> so beautiful yeah. yeah so I love it I love living vicariously through your photos on Instagram oh thank you <laughs> So yeah, came back, I needed to get a job. And obviously, I have this business management degree. So I ended up in a very nice company. Um, it was a book publisher, but they were starting craft books. And they were starting an event of their company. And they needed someone to kind of initially, it was assisting, but it came to light that it was more sort of uh, just two of us in the team that were kind of driving that forward. So for a couple of years, though, I was organizing crafting retreats, the sort of I mean, there was no age limit, but the demographic was sort of 50 to 70 years old, we do three retreats a year going to sort of nice homesteads around the UK bringing in tutors from the Royal School of Needlework and all of these things to run a lovely retreat. Then I sort of had an opportunity to move across to entertainment. So I ended up then working in more of a sales role, whereas my previous role was more business development and sort of marketing and sales all kind of wrapped, wrapped into one. So yes, working in, a, in an entertainment agency where we were dealing with events all over the world and basically plugging entertainment into those events, whether that's aerialists or singers, bands, you know, mm-hmm. any, anything. So it was a very, very fast paced. That's really that's really quite different actually you know from yes needleworking to performers that's pretty cool yeah so it was kind of very diverse following, following the event line but mm-hmm. yeah the job itself felt very different it was very close to my home and at that point I had then decided that I wanted to do an engineering degree and that was basically because as I said I found myself more when we were traveling around and I'd seen the world and kind of was appreciating the beauty and also it was very apparent that you know we're in a very bad place in terms of climate change and something needs to be done and although I was taking steps in my own personal life to you know to make changes to try and be more sustainable myself I just felt my sort of working life I obviously was not doing anything to help and if anything I was in a position where I'm sending performers off flying around the country or internationally and things like that so it was really jarring to to what I was actually feeling inside so you were kind of hitting this wall inside of who you are on the inside and then what you were showing up as did that start for you as an inkling or I mean how did that really feel and start for you just to kind of back up for a minute yeah I don't think it sort of hit me suddenly I think it was like a niggling feeling that just grew and grew and grew Mm -hmm. and I just yeah felt that I could be doing something with my time that's more valuable to the world and to society than what I was currently doing I don't know and sort of the responsibility just kept growing and growing as I was learning more and more about the environment diving deeper into own personal sustainability habit you just unearth so much that you don't know and it's just hard to almost be ignorant at that point you know yeah it's kind of once you 
once you open that doorway of knowledge, there's not really any going back to that. You know, I felt I felt exactly. that way really moving into a plant-based diet in the early 2000s, where once you kind of open the doorway to our sustainability habits day to day of what we're doing and how we impact, it's really hard. To, you know, it's like you can't unsee what you see. And I think that's mm-hmm. true in a lot of ways. It's just that's where these awakening moments happen. I think people feel that on a spiritual level as well, where they feel that little inkling that there's more. And then you kind of reach a point once you open your eyes or open the door to something fast and different and big where you feel led to go. You can't really unsee that. And sometimes mm-hmm. you try to shut your eyes back. I don't know if that was anything that you experienced or went through during this process or if it was just like a full steam ahead decision where you're like, nope, that's what I'm doing. But I know a lot of people struggle yeah. with that. What was it like for you? I think for me, it was sort of an all steam ahead kind of approach. <laughs> oh, um, why am I, I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> you seem so calm and like, you know, like relaxed and whatever, but there's a very driving, passionate force in you as well that's underneath that exterior. Thank you. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. I think as soon as I was learning these things and, you know, I considered different options. But there was an element of kind of, oh, am I wasting my business career? Am I wasting, you know, my business management yeah. degree? I'm already invested by completely switching directions. But, you know, I considered the fact, okay, Alternatively, I could switch industries, I could work for a charity, I could work for a sustainable company in like a business development or marketing role. Right. But I still don't think that's as much impact as I could have if I turned my focus elsewhere. And that's what's important. It's like it just wasn't going to satisfy. Yeah, it's just all about making the biggest possible impact that I can. And and at first that looked like changing, you know, focusing on the engineering degree. So I did that alongside my very hectic full-time job, which was quite stressful, um, <laughs> but, but so worth it in the end. And you were also doing a 200-hour yoga teacher training in the mix of this um, as well, right? Well, so that was slightly after. Okay, that was okay. After. we'll come yeah. back to that then, just yeah. just because yeah. that's, very that's close how we met timeline. as well. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, wait, weren't you doing this at the same time? Are you crazy? <laughs> we <laughs> all have to be a little crazy, right? Over the edge, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the full-time job and I didn't want to lose my income and I, and I also want to feel like I was still progressing in, in sort of, you know, building my skill set and all of those kinds of things. So I ended up doing an online distance um, learning engineering degree with the Open University in the UK, which really, really suited. I can't I can't sing about distance learning enough. I think it's amazing. And for yeah. the type of learner that I am, it was just perfect to sit around my life. Yeah, um, in the same way, actually, I wished that my initial college university experience I wished I could have done it online and every other education I've ever done I wish it could have been online because Mm -hmm. I love online learning so much and being able to connect with people in that way it it just really makes me happy in my pajamas (laughs) (laughs) many days everyone else was yeah (laughs) well everyone else was maybe not so happy at home in pajamas during the lockdowns I myself was extremely happy and taking art history classes in China at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and now I'm like, what can I, I do? That. I'm not doing anything else at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I get you. That's amazing. So yeah, you're in the midst of this, I mean, exciting new direction in your life, but also it's almost like the way that I envision it is you're fully integrated into this one life that you can feel is no longer working. But 
then you start to get that nagging that you need to do something different. And for you, that really looked like trying to take those steps at the same time, you know, make that shift over. But that's what can be very daunting because you're in limbo of two different lives, basically. How did you, mm-hmm. wellness-wise and mental health-wise, how did you manage that? Yeah, so um, looking back now, I don't think I was quite aware enough of my own mind Maybe um, when I made the decision. <laughs> yeah, when I made the decision to do that. Because now I don't think I would, I would make that decision again. But it worked at the time and I'm glad that I did it. Basically, I had, for those four years, so I did a degree um, with the equivalent of a regular three-year degree that we have here in the UK. And I did that over four years whilst working full-time. In the last year, I did drop down to 30 hours a week instead of 38, just to give myself an extra day, which was was well needed. (laughs) But yeah, so I had, I just had to shed a lot of things in my life and just be content with just putting things on hold. So, you know, I did not see my family anywhere near as much as I should have done. You know, I didn't see my friends anywhere near as much as I should have done. Weekends were basically all spent studying, every day after work till maybe 9, 10 p.m. It was very full on, but the one thing that I made sure that I kept was to have my yoga practices. So I'd wake up in the morning, I would have a short 30 minute practice at the beginning of the day, a physical practice. Then I'd come home and before I before I went into the study room to, to start all over again after a day's work, I would make sure I would have at least 30 minute exercise, normally yoga on the mat then as well before I started learning more about pranayama and um, meditation and all those things Mm -hmm. that we went through that for me was the main thing that sort of kept me sane through all of this and has been for a long time previous to that as well I, I always have managed sort of a hectic life by breaking it up with with yoga honestly I think I own owe my sanity and the fact that I was able to finish the degree um, <laughs> and still in a relationship didn't turn into a monster throughout all of this basically owe that all to, to having a consistent yoga practice that's amazing that's mm-hmm. really amazing I think that it's so interesting because as everyone listening has heard on this podcast it is something that people I think don't necessarily connect with even setting aside 10 15 20 minutes a day to do even gentle movement you know or breath work can really have a big impact in all other areas of your life. And Mm -hmm. so for you, you know, even that 30 minutes a day, I even find for me, I kind of have to break out of the mental box of thinking what a practice has to look like. You know, Mm -hmm. does it have to be a full yoga practice? Some days I really need that. And that's what I show up for. But if I can't, because my life is very busy and hectic as well, I at least try to get on the mat and do some sort of flow or movement every day, even if it's just a couple of minutes a day up to, you know, 30 minutes or an hour when I can really dive in. So that's so cool to just reiterate that point that for you, even in both awareness and unawareness of how it was impacting, you know, which you then dove into after this process, as you said, in your yoga training of really understanding that it Mm -hmm. does have that impact, right? So you're in the midst of this crazy experience where you're in limbo of shifting your life and then you come to completion. And one of the things that I really want you to share and speak to, because you and I have had this conversation, was that even after the completion, you still felt like you didn't necessarily deserve it or you felt a sense of imposter syndrome for all the work that you had put in, which I think we all feel. We all have these experiences Mm -hmm. of showing up even as achievers. And I think that for achievers, it is even more common than maybe other personality types where we are such high achievers, we actually associate more to imposter syndrome, especially as women. We actually can achieve very high levels of, you know, different goals or passions or business accolades or 
life accolades. And then in talking to women and men at every different level of their life, sometimes it just doesn't register. So talk about that a little bit, because I know you've shared with me about that. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of that also stems back to the fact of being being achievers. We're always looking at that next step. So it's that sort of not being necessarily in the present moment of appreciating where you are. You're always looking, well, where is next? This person is up here and I'm here. So therefore, I'm not worthy yet, you know, which is really something that we all have to check because we are worthy as exactly where we are in our in our journeys. Yeah, kind of taking it back slightly, the last sort of six months of my degree and writing my dissertation, that was during the height of COVID. So I was put on furlough from my job, which from the sales job that I was speaking about in the entertainment company, that actually, when I dropped down to 30 hours a week, that turned into a training manager role. So I was instead developing training programs and all of these different things, which I would never have kind of put myself in that role, but it kind of worked out quite nicely and ended up moving into the yoga, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Yeah. Everything the, connects, right? It, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> amazing looking back and at the time I didn't think that it's that the looking back it's, it's the looking back and realizing and then especially um, just to kind of add in the point that as achievers what you're talking about is we're always looking up and ahead to the next the next the next and one of the biggest things that we can do to overcome imposter syndrome is be in the present and also take moments for those small victories of where you are even everyday victories yeah. like that you're able to mm -hmm. yes I got yoga in. yes I got my study in. I had my success I ate I slept. Those are yes. all small victories, very much worth celebrating. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that was a big thing. You know, we spoke about me making sure I was doing yoga during um, <laughs> the degree. It was also that it was celebrating those really small things, which I didn't used to do previously. But I appreciated that if I was going to take on this hectic lifestyle for four years, I needed to make sure essay submission, every you know, module completed, all of those smaller things, but making sure that you're appreciating all the work that went into them. Going back to what we were talking about, I finished the degree in September 2020. So I can't remember if we were, I think we were still in lockdown at that point here yeah, in the UK. I think so. But I'd, I've been told that I was being made redundant in August 2020. It was an events and entertainment company, obviously hit really badly during COVID. And they managed to keep me on furlough for five months. And do you have furlough in the US? We do, yes. Yeah, okay, I wondered if I did I know that, that before is, COVID? But... No, I did not. No, every, <laughs> everybody was talking yeah. about furlough here and there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was on furlough for five months, which actually worked quite nicely, you know, aligning with my dissertation writing. <laughs> but then it finally got to a point where they had to start letting more and more people go because the business just wasn't coming back. And as a training manager, in the role of a training manager at that point, you don't need a training manager if you're not hiring people, <laughs> let alone, you know, having to, having to get rid of lots of people. So, so yeah, I was made redundant. And then I finished my degree and then it was all of a sudden, what now? What now? Because I, so I did engineering, but specialized in environmental engineering. And it's quite a niche subject yeah. to find relevant work in. And I, I think, think at that so point. it's so amazing that that's what you dove into. I, I'm just so fascinated by this. And, and as you were saying about this kind of imposter syndrome issue, at that point, I still didn't believe I was actually worthy of, of working in a company that was making change because I, I had the degree, but, but I still didn't feel that, you know, I didn't have experience at that point. And even though throughout the whole degree, I was getting, you know, really high marks and everything because I wasn't actually in the industry yet and all of my course mates were already mostly in engineering 
jobs already and were kind of taking their work to the next level by getting the degree on the side I just never felt like I was good enough which which Mm. was just ridiculous because I ended up it wasn't until I got my dissertation results back and I had 92% at that point I just realized like I've been so stupid all of this time I've been you know (laughs) that there was no need for me to be doubting myself all of this time you know every single assignment every single module that I'd completed was I was always getting first and then I just looked back and I was like, why, why have I felt this way? I know I can do it. But that was quite a fleeting realisation because then I'm trying to find a job in the whole wide world of, you know, COVID issues and just trying to find that really a niche job. So there was, it, it was quite a troubling time just because obviously by that point I've been let go. So I didn't have an income anymore. So then there was the pressure. I always thought, you know, when I graduate, I'd then have a nice cushy period where I could just continue my current job and <laughs> find a good job in my own time. But obviously there was then that pressure of needing to have income, which I know a lot of people will, will understand. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just to go back really briefly, just to speak to this for everyone listening, I think it is really common anytime you step in something that is new to to come across that imposter syndrome and to have those feelings like, how am I worthy of this? I think so often, again, going back to the non-attachment to the presence, to being in the moment of seeing yourself, that's where you can find the connected pieces when you're in those moments. So for you, I mean, you came into that career journey and path and to sustainable engineering because you had done all of that traveling abroad and because it had become a deep passion to the point that you had changed your lifestyle to make changes to where you could live a more sustainable lifestyle. And then it kept nagging for you to go further. So that in and of itself, that's a, a deep passion where you've done all of this research passionately. You know, it, it's your passion project to do all of this yeah. research, to change your life, to make these changes, to see where you can be a better person in this world and then wanting to take that to the next level of what you are doing. And so that is an experience that I think just isn't necessarily highlighted as Mm. often in our careers and in our endeavors that sometimes has so much more depth and ability than someone, you know, if you're putting two people side by side, one person, no passion, no experience, just looks right on paper. I will always pick the person with the passion that's shown up for what they're doing in passion with maybe the less experience, but with the skill set and the mindset and the heart set that's going to show up in passion and and ownership for that role. Mm -hmm. So it's like you had all of these great abilities and this passion (laughs) and this background in it. And yet because of the way that we're conditioned to look at this is what is considered valuable. This is what is not. If I don't have all of the experience in this background, I'm not as worthy as this person over here. And I think that just for everyone listening, I have to remind myself of this as well. When we can shift our perspective with this, that's when so much goodness can shift. And it sounds like when you had that realization for yourself, even though now you're at the point where you have to go and find a job in this industry in COVID, not only because you wanted the job, but now you actually need the job, which puts an entirely different pressure into what you're doing, right? That you didn't have Mm -hmm. before. And so just for everyone listening, it's just so valuable to remind yourself as you're looking at roles, as you're stepping into things that are new and unknown, seeing your own worth and value from the bigger perspective versus just that micro moment of what's on paper, of what you've done. Your sense of being is so much more valuable. Yeah. 
totally agree. So how did you kind of navigate that into finding the role? Because now you've got a great, a really cool career. I can't wait to kind of dive into as well. I was so happy. (laughs) Well, so initially I was applying for jobs and and it it was kind of um, not upsetting because I was kind of expecting it. But I was having, because of the lack of experience on paper, you know, I had, you know, my my whole CV, I think you call it a resume. The only thing related to the environment or engineering was obviously my degree. And yes, I could have potentially moved jobs earlier, but whilst doing the degree, there was just no time to think about, you know, changing jobs. I just had to stay close to my home to minimize the commute time and all of those things. So I didn't have any experience to put down. So I was having to apply for sort of entry level jobs. And that was a bit of that upset me in the sense that I knew that I wouldn't be able to make as much of an impact. And I thought, you know, for the first while in my career, I would then have to just be content with doing not menial jobs, but something a bit, you know, just less impactful. So whether that's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, testing water to see the quality of the water and around local farmland to see if there's sort of pollution runoff and all those kinds of things, which are important jobs. But I didn't feel that that's how my particular skill set of obviously having all the business experience as well. I just knew that it wasn't going to utilize all of my skills and I can only make the maximum mm-hmm. impact if I'm, you know, utilizing everything I have. You can't change the world if you're just testing runoff water. <laughs> you know, you're like, I, I'm ready to change the world. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I was successful in getting some interviews and I got quite far down the interview process a couple of times. And ultimately, I lost those jobs because the employers didn't think I would stick around because I wouldn't be fulfilled in those jobs. At the time, I was like, you know, oh, this is this is so annoying. I, I just need something to get started. If everyone's going to tell me I need more experience, do something more impactful, then I need to start here. Am I never going to get a job? Do I need to start pretending that I don't care as much in interviews right. in order to get a job, <laughs> right. you know? But it worked out in the end and I'm thankful that those you know those employers didn't didn't offer me the job because I then I was recommended a company from a previous colleague that I had had and she told me about a company based in Exeter called City Giant who she used to run part of their building or something like that so she just knew of the company and thought oh that kind of sounds like what you're kind of looking for that's amazing um, yeah ironically the only job that they had listed at the time was business development manager for their job <laughs> for, for their company and I was like so I kind of went in with like I've seen that you've got this job ironically you know a few years ago this would have been perfect for me however I have just retrained in engineering and I'm looking for a job with this that and the other and so yeah I just basically sent this kind of heartfelt cover letter email with my CV and the CEO got back to me really quickly himself to say that he wanted to interview me so we had the interview it all went really well apart from the fact I found out later that my camera was off the whole time she couldn't see me <laughs> why I, didn't I, I you say something Okay, yeah. I was mortified when I found All that out. All the perils of Zoom <laughs> life. Oh, and so can you imagine if that was the reason I didn't get the job because I refused to turn my camera on? Oh. In the end, they didn't have any jobs going, but because they're such a small company and could basically create roles and be more dynamic, rather than trying to fit me into a box of these roles that I was trying to fit myself into these other companies that didn't require my business skills and all of that, he just created a role for me that would utilize all of my you know, client knowledge and all of my marketing knowledge, not all of my marketing knowledge, but my sales knowledge and just general business knowledge and skills 
alongside building up my technical and engineering skills. So he basically saw incredible. Um, yeah, he basically saw me. He saw what where I could go, and and he's just invested. You know, he he took a risk basically by hiring me, and I've been getting continual CPD, continuous professional development. He ended up creating this role for me, and it's been the first year or maybe the first eight months. I again felt like an imposter and like I I didn't know enough to be talking to clients about what we were talking to them about and all of those you for, things you forgot that lesson you learned previously I know, right? I know. It's, it's like this. <laughs> it's like the waves <laughs> ups yeah, and downs exactly so yeah I was just very lucky that I managed to land this job really I work from home which is perfect for my lifestyle because yeah. it means I can jump on my yoga mat like during breaks <laughs> and and you know I'm not spending commuting time you know and all of those things so yeah it's worked out amazingly that's incredible and, and you know it's so easy to see where everything aligns after the fact, right? But when we're in the middle of these moments where you're hitting these rejections and you're thinking, oh, I just need to change myself because who I'm going against isn't really the right fit and they're not really seeing me. So maybe I just need to change myself into something that they feel like would be right. But yet you stay true to who you are, to what your background is, to what your calling is. And then you were met with an opportunity that they were probably just as excited to have you because you could actually help elevate the team and grow and fill a need that they might might have had, you know, just offering more support and on the engineering side, but they really had the need for the business development. So it's like being able to integrate that. It's like that perfect cush that you were talking about really mm-hmm. wanting to stay in your job and then transition into the next engineering role. You basically manifested a role where you got your own cush, but it just in a new job mm-hmm. in a different way. That's incredible. So I know it must feel really good. It's just so sometimes, I guess, misguided the way that we're programmed to approach things. And it's not any wrongdoing. It's just how our conditioning has been for eons now that we shut ourselves down, we tear ourselves down, we block ourselves out, and we sort of show up, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to have this job. And really, you can't even have the full vision that you actually manifested exactly what you wanted. And it was all in working progress for you along the way, which is why you were getting the rejections after the rejections, Mm -hmm. which just only made that that almost fuel of driving forward stronger for you, probably out of fear, but you know, <laughs> but <laughs> fear, fear of wanting to eat, you know, have housing, all of these things, basic need stuff. <laughs> Having that driving force of being able to open that perspective up for you, and in a way that at some point, I don't know if you felt this way, but I know for me, anytime I'm hitting walls and blocks or shutdowns, because I think we share that high achiever internal with the calm exterior. And so I get so pent up, really frustrated and aggravated. And like I'm bursting from the inside out to the point that I actually will wear myself out either in a tantrum on the floor or, you know, just just actually burn out all of my energy from this level of frustration or fear or unknown. And it's when I can drop all of that, like when I actually just wear myself out and say, fuck it. And then everything starts happening immediately after that. So in realizing that year after year after year, I was like, oh, I'm seeing the pattern here of every time I just let go and allow myself the frustration and start to acknowledge the pattern of right when I feel this way if I just surrender to that feeling and let it work itself through I know that exactly on the other side of this feeling is when everything amazing comes in so I don't know if you had Mm -hmm. any moment like that where you're just like so frustrated you wore yourself out and then found some sort of surrender to yeah definitely I I think that there was 
I guess I'm I've learned a lot about myself especially over the past year with <laughs> training yeah it means that I can look back on all these trigger points that I didn't really realize were trigger points at the time and understand I'm starting to learn my sort of stress signal and and when mm. things are too much and when I need to take a step back and either you know just free up my time in other ways and just kind of really focus on what's important and let the other things just fall away I mean there were certainly times like during my degree where I would just break down you know it would be 10 o'clock at night I hadn't done what I had expected myself to do that that study session and it would just be crying into my keyboard because I'm just so exhausted I'm lucky it's still work I've been there yeah Yeah, I think it's just trying to go inward by using wellness techniques like yoga and meditation, yoga sauna and meditation and breath work to really start to understand those triggers so that you can then work with them rather than against them and just mm-hmm. understand yourself and what you need and what your tendencies are, you know, because I tend to sort of, I have more rajastic qualities. So I'm sort of go, 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 go. And then, and I can do that for a while, you know, I, yeah. I can continue like that for a while, but then eventually I end up, you know, in a heap on the floor crying, <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so now I've kind of I'm starting to learn I so fully relate that to balance this. point <laughs> of how much I should be putting on myself mm-hmm. and that I never want to put quite as much on myself as I did during those degree whilst working periods and then so yeah just give myself a little bit more respite and, and balance out those crazy periods with breaks whether that is just getting on your yoga mat or whether that's just making sure that you've carved out a whole weekend where you haven't committed to anything to just take that time you know I mean some people might need to you know they have periods where they work really hard during the day and then they and then they relax in the evening and that works for them other people you know you might be able to go a full week being super productive but then you might be out for another three days of just needing to to rest and sleep right. loads you know so I think it's, it's it's all about kind of learning about yourself and then working with what mm-hmm. you've got and understanding how you can kind of optimize your well-being I suppose. I love this so much and also I mean I don't know I feel like I talk about human design on every episode lately that we're doing because it's just coming up so much but have you have you ever looked into what your human design type is? I haven't no. Okay, I, I have, I'm I have so been curious. interested when I've heard you mention it. Yeah, yeah I'm actually so curious about this because <laughs> I have the personality where I get things done so quickly and I put so much fire behind what I do but I'm a projector three five projector so it means I have a lot of open chakra centers basically that's how I assimilate so fast I process fast I think fast I can not necessarily do fast but I allow things to come together very quickly with the way I'm designed but then I hit that wall and I might be out for a day I might be out for three days I might need to sleep for a week it just depends on what my system is needing to reset and I used to feel really guilty about that especially in startups where it was 16 18 plus hours a day sometimes needed to get things off the ground you there's just this culture and mentality of why would I need to rest you know why do I need to eat and sleep and all of these things it's, mm-hmm. it should be work and only work and I just I never really connected to that I sort of played into that game a little bit and almost had a sense of guilt for honoring what I knew my system needed so this this process of and flow and and I think speaking to what you've mentioned is just showing up in the wellness that you need and and recognizing what it is that resonates for you because it is different for each of us and it's different at different phases even going back to what you're saying with what you've put in for that degree and what that looked like in your life and you don't want to go anywhere near that again anytime soon and then I'm just going to side note that you guys because as Jade says this she went into a very intensive (laughs) six seven month training (laughs) 
<laughs> for, th- for our 300 hour yoga teacher training, that was quite intensive as a matter of fact. And so as she's saying this, let's just get real as this ultimate <laughs> achiever. You're like, I'm, I'm going to just rest and be at peace with that whilst I do all of these other things. You're starting a new job. You're, <laughs> you're doing 200 and 300 hour yoga teacher training in the middle of finding work, finishing your education, stepping into the new job, and then you're balancing all of this too. So mm-hmm. let's get real. But... <laughs> I say that in love. I say that in so much love. I know. (laughs) But no, it is true. I think that there are definitely times when I'm okay to put in that level of intense insanity for a while. But then, as you've said, you know, I want to back off of that. So I think it's just honoring your timings and your flow. So now kind Mm -hmm. of going back to your yoga transition and how I, so in the middle of this, you're like, I think I'll get my 200 hour yoga certification and start with that in the middle of lockdown. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) classic, you know, COVID, oh, I have time. What am I going to do with the time? I need to be productive type situation. (laughs) I kind of had, yeah, we both studied our 300 hours with Kathy Medeo. And so back in, I think it was, must have been about October or November of 2020. So just after I'd been made redundant, just after I'd finished my degree and was looking for work. And I saw her 200 hour program come up and that it was online and as I said I'd love a bit of online learning Um, (laughs) and I kind of thought you know it might take me a while to get work but I could use this time to dig deeper into the one thing that's kept me sane this entire time you know and it would be a shame to bypass that opportunity because yeah basically the the 200 hour course we were required to do live more times a week than in the 300 hours so it would have been a bit difficult with a full-time job so I just kind of dove into that I don't I don't even think I thought about it much I was just like actually yes that's what I want to do like instinct go yeah yeah because i've loved my yoga practice which at that point was was just based on asana the physical yoga practice and i knew that i was missing all of these other bits you know obviously when you practice on youtube with other yoga teachers you do bits of meditation and you do bits of breath work but i knew that i was missing the wider picture and being the knowledge sponge that i am i just (laughs) i wanted more (laughs) you know and i thought what better way of getting of, of understanding more than to take yoga teacher training even though at that point I didn't really plan to to teach I kind of have always wanted to retire eventually and run a wellness center and teach yoga until until I die um, <laughs> so it kind of fits into that I just didn't expect to do it so quickly I love your planning <laughs> out of this so thorough <laughs> engineering suits you so well <laughs> like okay got the game plan that makes so much sense I love it <laughs> so yeah I just I just dove into that and then so that ran from January 2021 to, to March of 2021 and I just loved it but being the 200 hour there was so many more questions left unanswered it was just like a, it was like a flavor you know so as soon as Kathy announced that she was doing her 300 hour by this point I, I was in work at, at the job that I was talking about so obviously getting used to all of these new processes a whole new industry all of those things but she was having a 300 hour start from June to December that year mm-hmm. 
as you know, as you took it too. Yes. And yeah, I, I just decided I was going to go for it because I had appreciated the 200 hours so much. I didn't want to deprive myself of that. Not only did I want more and more of the community as well, I didn't want to deprive myself of knowledge when I knew how well the knowledge I just gained had served me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I just had a lot more to do, kind of looking more inward and understanding myself and all of these things. I decided to, yes, take on another very large project <laughs> alongside working. <laughs> well, doing all the things. I mean, because anyone who maybe isn't familiar with the yoga teacher trainings, the 200 can be daunting because, you know, you're learning something new or it can just be for me going into my 200 hour. I'd come from a very lengthy yoga practice, like 20, more than 20 years. And but I wanted to get a teacher training for a really, really long time. And also that was one of the gifts that that time period of COVID gave me was I wanted it not to teach as well, but to really design wellness programs and have that sort of structural background. And I had never had the time and space in my work life to go on these immersion trainings, you know, that I'd always seen and sort of felt led to. Mm. And I kept looking at different programs and different trainings and thought, wow, that's that's so cool. I would think I would really love this. And then when it came down to it, I am such a fast learner I, and I love online communities and learning and I integrate really well online learning into my life and into my practice sometimes more it's easier for me more so than being in a room with people for months and months on end or in immersion because that can be a little overwhelming especially in these trainings you're going through a lot of intense uncovering of your own personal stuff you know when we Mm. do yoga there's a science to it that actually is helping align your body so if there's anything in the body mind spirit that is in disalignment the more that you do it it's going to naturally start to come up come out work off shift you right and so that's one of the main draws and attractions for yoga even if you don't necessarily know that that's what you're doing that is what's happening for you and why it feels so good when you do it why it helps reset the nervous system so then you can imagine for everyone listening what it's like in an immersion in an intensive programming where you're just so involved in every facet of learning and doing and integrating it can be a lot so you know for you taking this new role on and then going into the training i mean i just laugh so much we we've talked about this and i just always laugh and chuckle but i'm so glad we had such an incredible group of people all over the world together and it was a really bonded community it felt like it felt very special you know and the relationships that we formed and the depth of training that we went through was really really something powerful it's incredible that you were able to do both of that at the same time i want to talk a little bit kind of switch gears and talk about the project that you just finished because you were sharing this project that you're working on i think it's so cool and it checks (laughs) every box of why you showed up and went on this path so again it just validates that calling all along and the commitment that you made and the tug that you felt to going in that direction all the way through here you are showing up for this really cool sustainability project in the UK that's going to impact and change so many lives and you're just thrust right into the middle of it. Can you share about that? Sure. So going back slightly, um, City Science is a company that works with local councils and other businesses to help decarbonize. So we either, we work on research grants for decarbonization tools using data and we also can be contracted to work on things like sustainability policies 
for local councils and things like that. So the project that you were speaking about is run by Oxfordshire County Council and a company called ODF who are owned by Oxford City Council. So Oxfordshire County Council and Oxford City Council or Oxford in general is sort of known as being very kind of thought leaders in sustainability on a on a council level in the UK. You know, other councils look to see what they're doing to kind of see where they should be going. So everything they're doing in that space is super important. So yes, in I think it was August, my boss said to me, oh, I want to potentially want to put you out on a secondment. You'd be working for ODS for four days a week to run this project and you'd be perfect for it. And being the little imposter that I am, I was like, no, oh God, this is, I, I can't, I can't do this because I, you know, at, at least within city science, I have like, you know, all of my colleagues that I can fall back on when I have questions. But these people would expect me to be, you know, an expert in this, and I, and I don't feel that I am yet. But nevertheless, I went on the appointment, <laughs> and it was actually a perfect blend, perfect blend of all of the different skills that we were just talking about. I was helping develop their business model, their financial model, whilst also in injecting them with engineering knowledge, you know, about inputting materials and design suggestions and all those kinds of things. And then also that kind of stakeholder management and the team management of being a project manager. So it was really was just a perfect blend it's of perfect. everything. And yeah, yeah I feel like, you had to calm the, the mental chatter, you know, the monkey mind mm-hmm. and, and yeah. pump yourself back up because you're like, no, no, no. And then again, once again, you're proven, you're, you're here giving validation. You're like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm the imposter. <laughs> and yet you show up and you're like, oh, I know how to do all of this. This is actually so up my alley. Exactly. I'm trying to just learn to trust my boss when he says I can do something. I'm like, he says I can do it, so I can do it. Whatever, (laughs) I'm showing up, yeah. I just need him to tell me that, but I'm I think at this point, anytime when you hit the point where you think that you're the imposter, I think you can just rest assured that it's just mental. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That it's bullshit. So the project itself um, is, is really exciting, actually. So at the moment, around 30% of UK residents, I'm not sure on the percentage in, in America, but it will it will be a high percentage, I'm sure. 30% of UK residents don't have their own driveway. So that means that they can't charge electric vehicles at home. They would have to rely on public electric vehicle charging if they were mm-hmm. to get an electric vehicle. So it's a huge barrier to adoption. And, you know, there's so many factors of you know, convenience, safety, time, all of those things that need to be considered if you're going to get an electric vehicle and then be reliant on public infrastructure you know so this project developed a it's like a channel that sits into the into the footpath outside someone's house so someone in terrace housing or any other type of housing that doesn't have a driveway can install an an electric vehicle charger onto their wall then they just trail their charging cable across their property, their garden. Then to cross the pavement safely, they just press it into the channel and it's enclosed by some brushes. And then at the end, it comes out and they just plug in their electric vehicle as normal. So this will just open up electric vehicle charging to a huge percentage of the population that currently are kind of put off by having an electric vehicle. Yeah. So wasn't there just, I don't know the right terminology there in the UK, but like mandates or bills passed where they are going to be banning the use of any non-electric vehicle within a certain time period? Yeah. So by 2030, petrol <laughs> and diesel cars, the, the production of new petrol and diesel cars, the sale of new petrol and diesel cars will be banned. Obviously, there'll still be a second-hand market for 
for however long to come. And then hybrids that use fuel plus electricity, they banned from 2035. So we really, oh. it's really a, a race against the clock. It's yeah. so important to unlock electric vehicles for as many parts of society as we can. And obviously it relates back to demographics as well and social inequity. You know, people who are perhaps a bit more well off, they often have larger areas that they on their property and driveways that they can charge whereas people on the lower end of the spectrum and income often are in terraced houses or flats and can't have access therefore have access to charging Mm -hmm. and there's big difference in price of charging you know when you're comparing home charging from your home electricity supply to public charging so this is really you know a social equity project as much as it is unlocking transport decarbonization so it's yes so exciting. So and I think exciting. that that could relate. I mean, really, that is that is the conversation in all sustainability, right? Because I know I've had conversations with people that even shifting to organic or local farming or the way that they choose to live their lifestyle, all of those things become a socioeconomic issue. You know, what's offered even in neighborhoods. I was speaking with a woman here in the U.S. in an inner city setting that was really pushing for organic groceries in stores that just weren't not being offered in inner city because it just wasn't an offering is not available in any proximity to these neighborhoods she was trying to get a shift in the groceries that were available and the water supplies that were available all of these things the water sources all of these things really does come back to a an education across the board of people and lifestyles as well as accessibility and so that's just incredibly brilliant that you guys were able to find a solution and it's really cool because I didn't understand just to kind of go back to the visual again of what you've mm-hmm. created so it's like this line like this little I'm trying to like channel is a, is a great way it's like a little beauty river mm-hmm. like a little bit of the line and the in the yeah. sidewalks that on top of it and when you first sent over the picture I'm like I don't get it you know <laughs> <laughs> I had to like you know to explain it more but it was so cool because you told me about it and then when I saw the picture I'm like but so how do you charge but so it's basically like <laughs> a little bitty mini river that's maybe a couple of inches wide that has this barrier of like thick bristle brushes that are enclosed together kind of you know what you see at the car wash you know that's rubbing against each other brushing your your car somehow and so then you're just dragging your charger cable through your line across the sidewalk tucking it through this little channel this little bitty mm-hmm. river and then that way you can feed it through to your car i mean do people it how does it work if you're changing spots in your of where you're parking if you don't get the same parking every day or you can't park in front of your house what does that look like does that help still resolve the issue or is there you just have to wait until you can park in front of your house basically the latter you have to be parked in front of your house because you Got don't it. want um the the cable to be trailing too far away from the exit of the channel because mm-hmm. we're trying the whole point is to avoid a trip hazard so at the moment we're getting people across the UK who are just dangerously trailing the cable across the pavement and causing Very people to hurt themselves or using those cable protectors that you sometimes see you know when you put like an extension lead into a into mm-hmm. a rubber thing it's right. essentially the, similar to that but it's steel and it sits under the ground or in flat to the ground so that there's no kind of bumps and things like that. But from our trial, we found that firstly, no one needs to charge an electric vehicle every day. That's just not necessary for most people. And so say you need to charge once or twice a week, most people have found even on busy streets that they are able to park out 
outside of their house once or twice a week. And it's been quite interesting socially, actually, because some of the trial users have started to create more of a community around it as oh. well. So, so yeah, so one, one person, yeah, has, has put up their own little sign saying that they're part of the trial and, and to please allow um, access to this space if needed. Others have set up a community sort of WhatsApp group so that if someone's in that space, they can say, oh, would you mind swapping with me because I, I need to charge my car today. So there's all these, these things going on as well, which is really interesting. And ultimately, there is public charging available. So if someone desperately, desperately needs to charge, they can do so by going elsewhere. So mm-hmm. it doesn't completely solve the issue, but you know, nine times out of 10, it will work because you don't need to charge all of the time. And I wouldn't have thought about the community building aspect, but it it is something that builds community when you can Mm -hmm. connect with your neighbors and the people around you on these different lifestyle points. Actually get to know your neighbors. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also, it encourages charger sharing as well. Mm -hmm. So some of the participants have been allowing their charger to be used by their neighbors as well. I don't know if you've heard of co-charge and that's home. That map no, home. No, um, not. They're quite, it's quite good. They're, they're different apps where you can basically, if you have a private charger, you can allow people to use them and they basically pay you for that electricity through the app, which is amazing because it enables the proliferation of publicly accessible charge points without councils having to invest in the infrastructure, which can be very costly, especially for car park chargers and on-street mm-hmm. charging. And they can be costly to install, maintain, all of these things. Whereas this is a relatively low cost you know, options for residents to fund themselves. And yeah, just will really make things make charging a lot more accessible to a lot of people. Oh, I just love innovation. That's so cool. It's just so cool. It's so simple. To, it's such a simple <laughs> design. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so exciting. That's really, really exciting. I know when you kind of talked to me about the project and I myself, I always am so fascinated by growth and sustainability. So when you were talking about this, I was just so lit up and excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You have to come on and share this whole process because now and looking back over this entire conversation, I mean, how do you feel now looking back on your journey of the steps that it took for you to get here and now feeling a part of something so big not just for one sector but really you know you're talking about sustainability you're talking about community building on so many levels you're making impact and helping this company in a really big way because it is setting the model in place for so many other cities for other areas to take lead with how does that feel for you now looking back it feels amazing i I feel so (laughs) thankful firstly that i i was offered this job in the first place in city science because without that I wouldn't be where I am now but also just appreciative of, of all of the little steps that it took to get here mm-hmm. and and you know just speaking to you now and, and speaking about this in an ad hoc way it makes me realize that I do have all of the knowledge in my head <laughs> and I am I am worthy of thankfully about yeah you're like okay <laughs> yeah. that's it yeah you get it you get it <laughs> so yeah I think I've, I've been able to appreciate recently all of those steps and how each Thing prepares you for the next thing mm-hmm. you know and even Absolutely. you know even things that seem unrelated like yoga teacher training and you know doing an engineering degree and you know all of these things the training manager job that I had which was really only had that because I needed to drop down to four days a week and it wasn't feasible to do sales in four days a week that was the only reason you know <laughs> and but that kind of has led to a lot of skills that I've now been able to use in my current job so I think yeah looking back I just feel very proud of having made the decision in the first place and not just kind of stagnating or having having seen everything that came before as 
sort of a sunk cost, something that I can't change, Mm -hmm. rather than getting hung up on that and thinking, I've already spent money on a degree, you know, I've already spent, you know, time on locking yourself into a box. Yeah. 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 I would, yeah. I'm just so proud and happy that I, that I went for it and I put myself through what I did because in the end it's been so worth it and I can honestly say that I'm making a change I'm making a difference you know and it's just an incredible feeling (laughs) I love this so much and it's been so cool to get to know you over this experience and then hear this story because I can look back on everything that you've said I know from my own experience I've had the same kind of aha of every single tiny micro step that you have in your life where you think it's completely unrelated or it could be a negative experience it could be an uncertain experience or it could be something positive it is guiding you towards that thing inside that alignment inside that calling inside and it's really hard in our moment to moment and I think especially the way that we're conditioned in our cultures to look at our day-to-day right we mm-hmm. don't give ourselves the time and the breath and the space to stop and let the knowledge come together of that everything is working in our favor we actually mm-hmm. are in flow so much more than we realize but we aren't giving ourselves awareness to see how things connect and then putting Mm -hmm. more and more trust and surrender into the next steps that we're taking and almost having fun with it. You know, now I hope that whenever you hear that voice inside of imposter syndrome, you can just laugh and say, oh, good, something good is about to happen next. That's how I feel anytime I'm in the floor having a tantrum or, you know, like this weekend I had talked to you and said, oh my gosh, I haven't slept or eaten, you know, pretty much the whole weekend. I've just been in this major, major creative flow state, but also frustration of hitting walls and blocks. And then that when I let go immediately opened the doorway to a whole new perspective of the way I was looking at where I was hitting blocks. And then it opened an entirely new doorway. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. And now I'm so excited. I can't sleep or eat because I'm just trying to put the next steps together. So it's like, you know, the faster that we can step into this surrender and awareness, the Mm -hmm. better things start to get. And the more fun it is, even when you're in the floor having a tantrum or as you said crying over your keyboard that was hilarious (laughs) I love it so now just kind of circling back to your overall wellness what does your wellness practice what does your mental health practice look like now especially now that you've integrated your 300 hour yoga teacher training what does that look like for you so I'm still doing yoga every day that has not changed but now I'm sort of looking more outside the box into how other things can be yogic. So the way I approach my work, I will take, even if it's just 30 seconds out of my day at my desk to just sort of breathe and close my eyes and reset my eyes and things like that. And then also taking things like walks as well, but doing it in more, almost like a walking meditation, like really actually absorbing everything rather than previously, you know, just, you know, oh, how far can I go? How how quick (laughs) can I walk, you know? Yeah, (laughs) like really, really, I think an appreciation as well after filling my time with other things, now I have a bit more time to reflect and sort of get more into a rhythm. This is really the first time in probably about six years I've been able to, I'm having to sort of still find what my whole kind of practice looks like and experiment with different things because it's the first time I've given myself time which is really exciting so yeah I'm, I'm yeah, like meeting a new you're meeting a new version of yourself exactly yeah, yeah I'm, I'm meeting Jade without you know having all of these commitments just less mm-hmm. commitments like what yeah. can I do with my day what do I want to do doing yoga but weaving in a lot more pranayama and meditation but then as I said kind of also trying to integrate it into more areas of my life that I perhaps was sometimes doing before but not aware of, of what I was doing before yeah. and 
still doing that kind of mental work of understanding those trigger points and hearing that internal narrative. And when it becomes, you know, starts to be a bit more self-deprecating to kind of keep that in check and, and turn it around. So yeah, I would, my recommendation to anyone really would be to start a yoga practice and just start on that journey of just understanding yourself on a, on a more deeper level. It really does open such a different mindset, doesn't it? Because it's not necessarily about the physical practice. I feel like that so many people start with the physical practice of yoga, but it's really in the lifestyle practice and in embodying these small micro habits and rituals into your life that makes such huge impact. They really open you up to a more heart and soul connected life. And obviously you're a very mm -hmm. passionate person. So I don't think you had issue connecting to that before, but it's like you had that on the inside, but you didn't know how to translate that or connect to that on the outside. And so by doing the yoga every day, I'm not surprised that inadvertently you ended up recognizing the misalignment of areas of your life. And then that giving you the peace, the grace, and the nervous system reset with everything mm -hmm. else you were doing to be able to to keep in stride and keep moving forward. I think you were right in my experience. If I don't implement those practices, it makes it really hard to accomplish the things that I really want to put forth and do. It's really, really important and valuable. Even if it's not yoga, I always tell people, just go back to breath, just go back to mm -hmm. drinking water, just get outside. Those things are yoga, actually. Whether mm -hmm. someone realizes it or not, that's a part of the yogic lifestyle. And those things will help you start to elevate your entire life. Being. I agree. I think it's also about sort of making your own wellness a priority, even yes. on, on the small level, you know, not you know I used to sit at my desk for so long that I knew that I needed to drink but I felt like I didn't have time to go and get one you know <laughs> which is literally how many to feet the to the yeah <laughs> um whereas but even like that there's small wins and I think when when we're in busy jobs and we have busy lives sometimes and, and kids as well you know you let your own wellness fall to the wayside but actually it's a yogic practice in itself to just start bringing those things back in so even if it's just committing to making sure you have enough water at your desk or you take the 30 seconds that to go and get yourself a fresh glass and or go to the bathroom sure. we're gonna fully yeah. fully push you to go get up from your desk and go to the bathroom <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah i think even that is as you say even though you might not see it as as yoga that is kind of it is it, it's a yogic way of of doing things having that intention of looking after yourself exactly oh my goodness it is such a treat having you on i just am so inspired by your story because i love getting to share stories with people listening and in friendships where you know like you you've come through this whole journey of really trusting yourself of really showing up in new ways and completely changing your life from the way it looked on the outside to really align to what was calling you on the inside and so it's so courageous and brave and i'm sure as we've heard through this chat not without a lot of of tears, not without a lot of <laughs> exhaustion, but here you are and you are making such a powerful difference in the world and just in who you are, just you're such a light. So thank you so much for being here. It's always so, so good to see you. You too, Georgie. Thanks so much for having me and for all the work that you do to light up everyone around you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm always so inspired after chatting with Jade. Her story is such a beautiful reminder that it's never too late to follow your heart or your dreams, even if that means it might be a little messy along the way. Whatever dreams call to your heart, I hope this reminds you that you've got this. Thank you, friends, for listening in. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If this episode resonated for you, I'd be so grateful for your likes and reviews wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
There's so much more coming your way. Amazing guests, new episodes, and a lot going on at Chaos and Calm. Make sure you check out chaoscalm.com for all the news on courses, trainings, classes, events. And while you're there, take a look at all the free resources, tools, and inspiration. You can join in more of the conversation and community by clicking the link below for the End the Calm community. All my love friends, I hope you have the most amazing week ahead and I'll see you soon.